Hello again. This is another episode of the Chatterbox Video Game Radio Show, and I am Alon. And my name's Ara. So, today is Tuesday. We record on Monday or Tuesday, and you usually get the show by Tuesday night. Depending on which day of the week I get my canker sore. Yeah, pretty much. Um, you know, you just got to fight through sometimes, but, but on occasion they really hit you hard, I guess. They're really good at like finding like the position in my mouth that's like the best place to keep me from like doing things like talking, chewing. Yeah, I was gonna say eating's so gotta be hard. Anyway, I do not have one, thankfully, right now, just every other day of my life. Uh but not today. And actually not last Friday, which is when I had a lot of people over. You were not there, you didn't make it, but several other people came over to play spin the bottle for the Wii U. I don't know if you guys have heard of this. I put it up on our Facebook page. I've wanted to play this for a long time, and I didn't know that it had released, I think, in August. This is the one. This is the game where the marketing department was trying their best to make sure that no one will want to buy the game? Yes, that one. It's basically like some graphics of weird hot dog-looking creatures. And like the, there's so little visual or any real element to the game it's like it's all based on Wii remotes so the the gamepad just gives you instructions on what to do you you're actually instructed to turn the television off and then the gamepad has some instructions so it's well, like that's the best choice just turn that off and let's play in the real yeah, world if you leave it on it just shows this recurring like animated graphic of like of a bottle spewing out like drops from the top of the bottle it's very phallic and then clouds roaming by and there's like each of the creatures, and there's up to eight players, each represented by a creature, a uh, little hot dog looking thing. Um, and like they'll sort of be hanging out in the clouds, hiding. Anyway, that part's not important. Here's how you play the Is game. Is the spewing part important? No. You turn the TV off. It's just distracting and useless. And like it literally says, turn the TV off. So the way the game works is first, uh, you get up to eight players, between two to eight players. And, um, Does it also instruct you to replace the Wii controller with a old glass Coke bottle? No. But uh, everybody signs their name and is, is like assigned a representative hot dog creature thing, which means nothing, right? But you do need to actually sign your name with the, the pen. And then, so you could not see it on the TV that is not on? Yeah, it'd be nicer if it was like, hey, whatever your name is, you're up. You know, go, come spin, right? Player one, but it doesn't do any of that. Yeah, because they blew that part of the budget on marketing. We know the game's still in development, though. It's one of, The way it's built is, here's the game, buy it for nine bucks, and we will raise the price as we add more content. But I doubt they're going to be adding, like, how the game actually works. Like, they're probably not going to add anything to the television and just have new games to play. So right now there's 17 games. 17. Yeah, I mean, they're that all tiny. That is huge. No, 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 no. No? They're, they're tiny. Um, Not a lot of content? So you put the... You have the gamepad, and then it's like, all right, player, whatever, spin the bottle. And then you, you know, scroll your finger across the screen like you're spinning a bottle, and it spins like like one of those spinners in any old board game, like... Um, Wait, so you're not like spinning the Wii mode. You're actually No, no, spinning... no. You just flick, flick your finger on the screen, and then a, a virtual bottle spins around like a spinner... In, like, the game of Life or oh. Twister or something. You've got a little spinner, right? I'm and so, so confused. Okay. And so that spinner goes around a wheel that has all the other players. So if it's an eight-player game, it has seven other players just represented by a color, right? And then whichever one it stops on is the, the player that you, as the spinner, are paired up with. So there's two people for every game. And it says get as many Wii Remote controllers as you can. So we have four of them. So each game can use up to four. I'll give you an example of one of the games. The first one we played, Tim was in the first round with another guy, Tim and Gary, and it was called Squeeze the Orange. And it says, like, put an orange on, you know, on a table or whatever. But it's not an orange. It's a picture of the Wii remote. It's kind of confusing, actually. It says, put an orange on the table, but it's the remote, not an orange. So we, so we have to <laughs> pretend that the Wii remote is an orange. Yeah, but it doesn't really tell you that. It actually just says, put an orange on the table or somewhere i don't know if it says table but like let's say it says put an orange the point is it says orange it doesn't say a wii remote which is like the orange or something like that how could that be confused anyway so it stands up vertically 
And then you're supposed to press both the A and the B button, one player each, right, without using your hands. So the idea is, like, you use your face, your nose or something. So you've got two people's faces coming really close together. I see. And how was that for uh, Tim and Gary? uh, Tim was not a fan. Tim was not a fan at all, but he did it. He, you know, he... Powered through like a champ. And then did they accidentally like smooch a Rama at no. the end when like someone took the controller away? No, not and at they all. Just, they had nowhere to go but into each other's I got, lips. I got to say, though, so I popped that game up on, on our Facebook page and someone said, oh, that reminds me of this game, We Dare, which was a game for the Wii from Ubisoft, only available in some countries. That was the Europe. one with that really unpleasant soundtrack that you forced me to listen yeah. to last week. Yeah, and, and the promotional video that completely sexualizes the game. Completely. Like, it's got hot chicks doing fun stuff and, like, not representative of the game at all. And then the, but, and then the men, uh, my favorite part was where how the men took off their clothes. Yeah. But because, because it would be um, now, right, now it's forbidden... Um, According to social rules, to uh, for the girls to take off their clothes because that's expected. So we're gonna have the guys take off their clothes because yes. that's okay. Well, also because guys can take their shirts off on television and in all countries, whatever. It's not considered offensive. Well, fair enough. But but yes, I I do agree with you that I think this was just a trying to trying to be reversed. But anyway, I was offended that I had to see their nipples. That frankly. that particular game has the same mini game of two people pressing both the B and A button with their face. Um so I I noticed that. Other games are like one of them is called Pass the Badger, which I think I played with Tristan once. And this this starts with putting the badger on the table. No. <laughs> this is two players uh kneel on the ground back to back. One of them starts with the Wii remote. So the Wii Pad is just like, it also tells you how to play the game. Like, you're going to pass the badger, and this is how it works. And um, it also gives you these incessant warnings, like, be careful with a remote, and don't hit anybody with it, and make sure you hold the sleeve, the rubber sleeve on it. And, and wash your hands. Wear a strap. Like, this room, one is played without a strap, right? It's annoying. Um, anyway, so don't talk to pass strangers. the badger is you're back-to-back, kneeling on the ground, and you pass the Wii remote over your head. So the other person grabs it over their head, brings it down, puts it between their legs. The other person grabs it from between their legs, brings it back to where the remote started, presses A and B to mark the end of the revolution. And I think you have to not jostle it too much because then you wake up the badger. So you have to pass the sleeping badger. Anyway, there's 17 of these tiny, tiny mini games. But let me tell you, it was a party. We had like 12 people over, something like that. Some of them were playing, full house of, of playing this game. It was weird. It was quirky. Some people were drinking. Some people were talking. Some people were playing. It was a lot of fun, even though the game itself is super simple. We really enjoyed it. So, uh, I don't know. I like it. And it's it's like, it's so weird and quirky that, I mean, that's what I think endears it to me. But anyway, you don't seem interested at all, judging by the look on your face. Um Maybe maybe in some, I don't know, if I'm drugged enough, maybe I could find something like that fun. Yeah, I don't exactly do reviews of games, but I will tell you, if you have a lot of people, the ability to play this game with a bunch of folks, and you're willing to spend the nine bucks, uh, as long as those people are adventurous and not like, no man, I'm not going to play that stupid game, right? um, then it's it's totally worth a few bucks to play the game. Now, speaking of other downloadable content for the Wii or downloadable content in general, I'm going to mention to you something that I told my wife. I've talked on this show extensively about how my wife really enjoys Pikmin 3. And we've sort of, like, we've played Bingo Battle so much that, like, we know the levels pretty well and getting kind of sick of it. And I was like, they could totally release downloadable content and give us new Bingo Battle levels or new missions or something. But Nintendo never does downloadable content, except with Luigi for the Mario game, but uh, yeah. So I was like, Nintendo basically will never release downloadable content for this unless it's a an update to fix something in the game. And there already has been one update. I don't know what, what it did, but there was one. Um, so I was very pessimistic about it. And then apparently just this morning on Nintendo Direct, Iwata announced that there will be paid downloadable, paid and free downloadable content for Pikmin 3. And I'm super excited. Yeah, I'm very excited about this. I don't know if it's going to be Bingo Battle. It's going to be uh, missions like Collect the Treasure missions, which are cool missions, right? And I do want more of those, and I will pay for more of them um, just because... 
normally I wouldn't pay for downloadable content, but like we really played a lot of this game. So like I'm ready to, to pony up, but, uh, I do hope that they also add some bingo battle levels. I don't think that was announced particularly, but, um, I'm excited about it. And I just wanted to, to basically say I was wrong. Nintendo is doing something cool and it surprises the hell out of me because I have no idea how Pikmin 3 sold. Judging by the fact that no one owns a Wii U in the first place and Pikmin 3 was always kind of, a, or Pikmin in general was kind of a niche game. I'm getting the feeling like it sold uh, not as much as Nintendo wanted. Uh, why do you say that? Uh, because they just announced that they're going to be selling more things about it. Well, no, that you only do that when when it sells well, right? Because you know that only a subset of the existing owners are going to buy the downloadable content. So one, I mean, that sounds why waste your time developing, or it might just be really easy to develop, which actually this type of level probably is pretty easy to develop if the map already exists, but I think they make whole new maps, which is complicated. So bottom line, I'm excited about it. I am surprised by it. And, uh, I don't, like, can you think of another time Nintendo created downloadable content? Except, like I said, in the case of Super Luigi U, which honestly didn't need to be downloadable content. It, I mean, it's a standalone disc on its own. It's kind of funny because, like, Nintendo is, like, the last uh, of the big three to, like, adopt a lot of, like, the directions that the corporate cultures are going in. They yeah. seem to be more reticent to these digital methods of delivery than the I th- others. I think they've been more resistant to change just because their market is generally younger and less less hardcore so meaning like people who aren't as invested in the technology and in understanding what it can do and yeah. even understanding that there could be an e-shop where you could download stuff perhaps so now that like that's sort of standard and everyone knows it exists or at least a lot of people do um maybe that's why they're stepping into it or they're not making enough money yeah i money. i still bought luigi U on disc so We'll be right back. Chatterboxers, how much do you love Amazon.com? Since you're like me, the answer is a lot. And since you love Chatterbox almost as much, here's what I want you to do. Next time you get a new game, a pair of socks, downloadable MP3, anything really, go to helpchatterbox.com. It takes you to Amazon, but when you buy something, we get a piece of the action. That's good for us, and Amazon feels good because you didn't buy it from GameStop. Helpchatterbox.com. Remember it. Bookmark it. Tattoo it backwards on your forehead. And yes, all I'm asking you to do is buy stuff you are already going to buy. Just do it at helpchatterbox.com. And we are back. You are still listening to Chatterbox Video Game Radio. And don't forget, while you're listening, you could visit uat.edu, the website for the University of Advancing Technology. You know, they, uh, I, I don't feel very uh, stentorian today, I have to say. I don't know what that means. Uh, I didn't either until one of our users called me that. And what is that? Stentorian. But what does it mean? Really loud. Oh. Yeah, I'm much loud. La- According to the waveforms I'm seeing as we record this, I'm much louder than you today. Yeah. We have to get new mics. We talked about this. This might happen. Yeah. Some, someone who is nice enough to tell us our audio is crappy. And if we do, I would really love it if somebody just like posted on our Facebook page that they notice a difference. We haven't done it yet, but please, somebody notice. Yeah. I'll let you know when we have them. Also, if you have a recommendation for a particular mic, because... God damn, there's a lot of them, and I do not know what to buy. Uh, anyway, I'm not going to get so meta and talk about making the podcast on the okay. podcast. Yes, let's that's, let's that's move very, on. It's very avant-garde of you. Uh, okay, so um, you know what? Actually, no, no. Let's talk about this first. Okay, so this is so weird. You know, Red Cross. I am familiar with the Red Cross the, in, as an entity. The in- International Committee of the Red Cross. There are that I'm not familiar with. Yeah, well, they've, like, published something. It's not, like, a formal, like, act that they're 
taking or anything. It's very informal. But they're basically they've they've posted this message on their website that says that uh, hey, um, there's a lot of games with serious looking depictions of war, and um, these games should include virtual consequences for people's actions and decisions. And they also said that gamers should be rewarded for respecting the law of armed conflict. That's I've always felt like that's kind of like a what's the word? You know what word I'm going to use? Nope, I do not know at all. Those things don't really go together to me. They, and, and they say, you know, they're like, look, there should be virtual penalties for serious violations of the law of armed conflict. In other words, war crimes. And, uh, Does that mean like no chemical weapons? See, and, like no torture. They're, they're not. They're unspecific. Well, torture. They mentioned like torture and stuff like that. And I'm sure. Um, I kind of get the feeling that they're like, we just don't want people thinking that like it's okay to shoot Red Cross. <laughs> uh, I think that's what they're afraid of. I didn't think of that. Is there a law that specifically says? Like a, an international law that says um, Red Cross is immune from war. I'm going to go out on a limb and say yes. There might be something that says medical personnel are not supposed to be attacked. Yeah, you're not. I mean, but that's that's silly. In war, like it makes sense that you would destroy hospitals so that the people that you hurt can't come back and kill you later. Totally makes sense. I mean, cruel, uh, really cruel. I think. I, I, we're, I mean, I'm just speculating right now, and I think you are too. But I, I'm under the impression that uh, it's there's a reason why they have that uh, that cross that everybody recognizes. Yeah, that red cross that everybody know. recognizes. This, this goes back again to like I could just use Pikmin three as an example. When I was playing with my wife, and she gets mad at me when I attack her, I was like, "Listen, if I attack you, there's less chance of you winning. It's it's not personal. It's just how it works. So it's like if I'm attacking other people." I don't want them to come back to fight me again, so I should stop them from being, you know, fixed by taking out the Red Cross. Yeah. So this is this is very strange to me. Uh, because the other reason is it's funny because they have like a Q and A thing right on their web page, and one of them is because the first thing that comes to mind is like, look, uh, why are you why are you all up on video games about this? Why aren't you all up on other media about this? And it's so strange because they're like, well, you know, we don't want to say that these things are required. We just want to, like, have a conversation about it, which doesn't make any sense to me because they they have an agenda, but it's a very soft agenda. And it's very interesting because apparently I also learned that this, which happened really uh, the past couple of days, apparently they did the same similar thing in 2011 and their rhetoric was much stronger back then. Where they were like, no, we, they, we should have laws requiring games to adhere to uh, the 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 what the rules of engagement in in combat. And anyway, so this is the funny thing because their their justification for why they're on video games about this and not not other media is that it's it's basically what you would think it is, which is like. Oh well, uh, in traditional media, you're not making decisions and you're not acting out things, right? But I've always felt like that's just a spurious argument as it is. Uh, I don't, I don't dismiss it. Are I we mean, afraid that actors who play parts of bad people doing atrocities, like war crimes, are we afraid that they might think that uh, doing these things are okay because they are acting it out on a regular basis? Uh, yeah, but you nobody's, know, nobody's you know that's not the same. That. It's it's not uh, generally accessible to be the actor in the movie, like the small percentages. Video games are accessible to all people. Well, yeah, that's and true. Spread, I'm just saying, well, like, why not be concerned about those few actors because they're doing it all the time and they're acting it out in real life. They're not. There's isn't a screen in front of them to make it obvious that it's fake. See, here's the problem that I have with, in general, people making the distinction between uh, video games and other media and saying it's realer because you're making decisions and you're doing it. It's not realer because of that. Don't we make that argument as players? Why we say that the medium is so much better than those others? It is. But the thing is, is that the, the you have to, you have to, dis, you have to discern what like aspect of realness you're talking about. 
And the reason why I think all of those arguments hold no water is because however realistic it may be, the fact is is that we're – first of all, we're operating those actions through an abstracted medium, which means that right, we're not actually physically in real life performing them. And that that is a big enough disconnect, but there's more because beyond that, we also know that it is fake very easily. It's very easy for us to understand that it is fake and that we're playing a game. And I just this this carries over into the violence thing where all these people think that, you know, okay, well, you know, it's it's an easy conclusion to make that, you know, if you play a violent video game that, you know, you'll be a little riled up 20 minutes afterward and, you know, you can imagine that this could cause you to be more violent with other things, but the thing is like it just it doesn't transfer. It doesn't like it doesn't transfer, and I don't understand why people keep insisting that it does when all the evidence that we look at is that it doesn't. I I don't know what evidence you're referring to that suggests it doesn't. It, it the seems... fact that we've been engaging in these things uh, like millions of times over the years, and it isn't transferring. Just that virtue. Well, by hang itself. on. Just didn't didn't just last week we talk about how yeah, obviously someone's going to be better at aiming a gun when they've aimed a gun in video games all their yeah. life. Yeah. So there's. There's a transfer. There's I mean, a transfer of knowledge, but there isn't a transfer of proclivity, you see. I am not prepared to say that that's the case. Well, most people aren't, but I totally am. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, listen, I haven't done the brain exams. I haven't had an MRI going while playing a game versus playing a movie to see if there's somehow more connection to emotional centers or whatever. But it, it just seems sensible to me that if I'm acting something out, if I'm making the decision to go left or go right or kill versus, you know, hide in the shadows, right? If I'm making that decision and actually not, not just making the decision, but also carrying out the action after the decision is made, I feel like that probably does embed itself in, in my psyche and in my memory more than if I'm watching it passively or reading it. I think it's reasonable to conclude that at face value, but I think that that's totally not how humans work. I just don't think that's how psychology works at all. Yeah, I guess we would need someone more expert than ourselves to well, see, this is the thing. Like, for I real. Don't, I don't even think we need to rely on experts to know this because if those, if those things were the case, then your behavior over time, Alon, when playing Mortal Kombat or uh, Killer Instinct, because that's your poison of choice, you know that would have changed. That would have done made have some effect on you, but it doesn't appear to. Well, we don't know that at all, right? Just because I'm not ripping people's heads off, right? <laughs> uh, I have a certain amount of aggression in me as a person, and I have no way of telling if if that aggression would have been lessened had I never been exposed to video games. Well, you're being remarkably. Um the word conservative or safe i think with your conclusion listen i still think what the red cross is suggesting is wackadoo right there's <laughs> games are all about being fantastical and there's, yeah, that's, there's that's no the reason other they, thing it's like it's so see the thing is like the domain of games is just so far removed from the reality of war even war games that it's that's what makes it ridiculous sounding to me i think the best they could wish for is starting up or partnering with someone to have some sort of um, like certification. I, I don't know how, so, you know, remember the army game that was actually like sponsored by the U S yeah, army? That could be a thing, right? This is certified according, you know, this follows <laughs> rules of war. Yeah. But, but I mean, they would probably spin it as a positive, like this is realistic enough to receive the certification from whatever group uh, the red cross thinks is appropriate to enough. have that sort of thing. And then they're, they're incentivizing, developers to seek this certification and they say okay well one of the rules is if you're going to have the certification then you have to have this sort of you know what they're suggesting of yeah. virtual um what, what did they call it not like the opposite of reward penalty so just virtual penalty they didn't define it just some sort of virtual penalty yeah they, there should be virtual penalties yeah yeah um so yeah i just think that this is like fears that are coming from not understanding what games are and i'm sure most of the people who wrote this uh probably don't uh, play games enough to understand what they really are. What I was trying to say in the beginning was the idea of uh, having uh, laws about war is an oxymoron to me. 
Yeah, but they exist. And, you know, by the way, I have an example of a game that does have a virtual penalty for virtual crime. I'll save it till the next segment. Suspense. We are back. I am going to tell you what I'm talking about. What game already has this? And I'm sure lots of games do, right? But uh, if you think about games that try to simulate war on a grand scale or um, simulate not just politics, but but like geopolitics, I guess, um, that's the type of game that would have this sort of uh, negative reinforcement. So civilization four, no, well, probably all the civilizations, but specifically I have played a ton of civilization revolution on the Xbox 360. And that game most definitely has a penalty for just nuking someone. Like you're not even allowed to use a nuke, but if you do, first of all, people get all upset. But um, even beyond that, like if you choose democracy as your uh what do they call it just as your political stance there's a normal word in the game for that uh if you choose democracy as opposed to like a dictatorship um then you're not even allowed to declare war at all you can you can act in war but only if someone else is the aggressor you cannot be the aggressor in war and also if you nuke someone like the rest of the people get really aggressive on you so let's say there's four other players and you nuke anything those four other players declare war on you immediately, get very aggressive, and try to beat the hell out of you. Um, and I can only presume it's... I've only played Civilization Five like, once. But that I kinda, presume it's exactly It kind of reminds same. me of, like, when I'm driving and people get really close to me. That you want to, like, fight back somehow? Well, I, I've just... I've observed something about my driving habits. I'm really laid back until somebody's driving aggressively close to me, and then I get really aggressive. Okay, well, uh, I don't know if that's analogous here, but (laughs) um, that's a game that already puts in virtual penalty. And I'm curious if that would satisfy what the Red Cross is talking about or if they want something that's like more realistic with sanctions and whatever. You know, I wasn't able to find actually like any specific examples of what they're talking about. and They probably can't even think of the examples themselves. Yeah, I mean, they should have... See, here's the other thing, actually, another reason why their uh, their whole, like, uh, uh, argument from agency makes no sense is that, you know, I, 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 can, I can't even think of any examples in games where you are actually doing something that I would consider in, in, the, uh, in the format of war to be uh, against uh, the rules of war, well, as far as I understand it. Like That's because we don't know what the rules of war are. Right. But, but I mean, you know, we, we know don't, don't shoot the Red Crosses. You know, we know chemical weapons, no good. Like nukes are probably not cool. Like innocent people, probably not cool. Those kinds of things. Uh, when there's like torture involved, a lot, I think in most, if not all cases, it's like that's usually part of like a narrative plot, which is actually not something that you have much control over. Um, yeah, that's true but even if it's built into the narrative then i think they're saying it should just that the next part of the narrative should be that there is a penalty and like one of the modern warfare games i think modern warfare 2 um one of them had torture i don't know which one i know there was that scene where but you're, were you you're performing the, the torture or are you observing torture or were you i'm pretty sure torture? they you're the one doing it but it's it's probably yeah. like a, a quick time event you know <laughs> press um, a to torture yeah exactly um but it also had that scene where you're you're the bad guys in the airport and you're you're killing all the innocent people. Yeah. Oh, you know what? There was that no Russian. Yeah. Although that's mission. not that's not war because that wasn't a nation. Yeah, it's not. And I assume that what they're talking about only applies to 
you know, decisions relating to nations and actual wars, not just, you know, yeah, someone with a gun in a video game because those are two very different things. Yeah. Well, I think it's quite telling that it, it appears that this is all coming from the the thought that the Red Cross is. I'm just going to read this. Is concerned that certain game scenarios could re- lead to a trivialization of serious violations of the law of armed conflict. The fear is that eventually such illegal acts will be perceived as acceptable behavior. Yeah, but but I the people playing video games are not they're not the ones in politics making the decisions that actually break international law. So No, but they, I think what they're saying is that there's it's going to like because video games are so commonplace that it's going to convince the public that certain actions are acceptable in like torture. <laughs> acceptable in war. Like we we shouldn't be upset at the government for performing torture because we get so used to it in a video game or well, something. This else. is all moot to me because I consider war in the first place to be unacceptable. So <laughs> Well All right. I'm ready to move on to something else. Okay. I actually wanna before I forget, I wanna mention this uh some people were talking on our and this might be actually a, a, an opportune time for this. On our Facebook, some people were talking about our uh, extemporaneous nature of our talking and how uh, we complain how like other – I was complaining about how other thing, other places get things wrong all the time. Yeah. And then they were complaining about how we get stuff wrong all the time. Yeah, we do. And we do. And guess what? You guys are so right and it happens and I would like – Personally, I would like to be called out on that sort of thing because, look, you never know for sure that you made a mistake or you misspoke unless somebody tells you. So if you guys are frustrated at that stuff, hey, just look, I don't want to I don't want to I don't want to speak you you on. But I would say, hey, just call us out and then we'll correct it. Yeah, no, absolutely. My friend Wes uh, does not mind texting me the next morning to say, hey, that's not right. That happened recently when I was talking about some game that's downloadable for the Wii U and I was like calling it a farm sim, but really it's not at all a farm sim. <laughs> I got like Earthbound and Mother mixed up or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so, and, so look, the only way that we can stop making these mistakes is if you tell us and then that mistake will not be made again at least for another three weeks. Did I just do it again? Is I think Earthbound and Mother are actually the same thing, but then there's a different game that I was confusing them for. I think okay. Now we're going to go down this road. I, I think Earthbound know. was not Mother, but like Mother Three or something like that. Because yeah, but Earth- then there was a totally different game. Because Earthbound was, was a farm sim. Was a translation from Mother. Yeah, and then Mother Three. One of the mothers, and then I don't know what else they did to it. Maybe something. Yeah. No, but I think I was confusing that for a totally different farm simulation game. Oh, I see. Like Harvest Moon. Yes. Yeah. Probably that. I was probably doing that. Yeah, because uh, Earthbound is in a farm sim, dude. I totally referred to it as one <laughs> like a month ago. Oh, anyway, 10 seconds um, ago. keeping that in mind, I want to point out something that I said on the show that people complained about that I was actually right about, according to my friends. So I complained about Grand Theft Auto V. I was like, it's probably just the same as Grand Theft Auto Four. Why would I really bother? Because I didn't like Grand Theft Auto 4 that much. And then people were like, listen, you should play it. It's way better. It it's not the better. same. It's totally different. Look, yeah. it does all these things. And let me tell you, everyone I know in real life is telling me it's basically Grand Theft Auto 4, which is basically Grand Theft Auto 3. Right? They are confirming without me even asking them. They're like, hey, just finished Grand Theft Auto 3 or 5, excuse me. It's, uh, it's basically the same as the fourth one. Didn't really do anything new. And then I just talked to someone at work who volunteered the same exact information the difference however uh and it, before moving on uh so just to all of our our listeners who complained you can suck it i was totally right even without playing um however grand theft auto online just released today i guess to a bunch of problems with servers and people not being able to connect which at this point we're all used to um but the online is a very different experience and from what i saw in like a, a video that Joystick put together, just showing a lot of different aspects of it, it actually looks like like the way I would imagine Grand Theft Auto Online should be, like the way you'd want it to be, instead of like what it was in number four. Four was sort of like, oh god, it's been a while since I've played it. But if I recall, it was kind of deathmatchy. 
um, there were a few different missions, and it would like turn on, and then you would just do this sort of thing and see how you ranked against other people, like a Halo Three match, but in a Grand Theft Auto world. Uh, this one is, I think it's persistent. Like you just drop in, and people are just running around, and you can find some missions which aren't that big. I guess they'll build on it and make it bigger. Um, but you know, you create your character out of some some weird genetics algorithm where you actually define who your parents and grandparents are. But that. Hey, that's new. That's never yeah. been done. That's actually interesting to me, but I can't. I don't know why they do it. Uh, but but beyond that, you just you drop into a world that exists. You don't just drop into this five minute play session. You drop into a persistent world with some number of people. I don't know if it stays the same if you're always on the same server when you drop in or whatever. Um, but you can perform missions with other people, or you can just watch like the cops driving real fast across the city because they're actually chasing after someone else who's in that universe. Um, that you just dropped into, you could conceivably, you know, follow those police to go try to help the other player and kill the police. Um, I don't think there's the option to like go good and and not be the bad guy that Grand Theft Auto puts you as or, or sets you as in the in the world, but um, it just drops you in. And I think that's a more interesting way to play this particular game, which is very open world sandboxy. Like I want to just be able to keep going. And what would be better is if not I say persistent world, what I mean is like there's no start and stop timer, but I don't know if it's persistent in that the things that happen stay there. So like I don't think there's a, there's not a lot of destruction in Grand Theft Auto, right? Like cars can get hurt, but like buildings and stuff stay pristine. But if if you could alter the environment in some way and that stuck every time you dropped into that that instance it would be really cool. And um, as far as I know, it's just like your player and you can buy garages and cars and stuff. So that's persistent. Um, but I don't know how I keep over using the word persistent, but I don't, I don't know how persistent other players in your world are. Um, and if you keep seeing the same people on the same server, but if you do, it actually, it actually sounds like the right way to do online for Grand Theft Auto. So I will give them that. I think that's neat, but the game itself, the single player, Apparently, it's the same thing, if maybe some rough edges have been smoothed out. Very nice. same game. Well, to uh, your defense, uh, we're waiting to hear uh, how it's so new and what's, what they're doing that's so choosing your genetic origins. Uh, well, one person did put on our Facebook page, it plays way better. Oh, okay. Well, it plays way better. That's one way that it's... Uh, it plays way better. That's another way it's novel. Uh, okay, sure. Yeah. I would like some more specifics there. But but again, it's what I talked about last week. Where if you appreciate the game, like the subtlety floats to the top, and you you can see the differences from one iteration to the next. But right. so, somehow, my that... friend who played through the whole game didn't seem to care about those. And you know, and there's that too. And it looks like we're creeping up on another break in like uh, minus two seconds. Yeah, just now. So we'll go to break. We'll be right back. Are you going to find a master of science program in technology that creates thinkers who understand how business works and how to apply the technology? Where else are you going to discover a graduate degree in technology that is customized to meet your objectives? Where else in the Valley, on campus or online, can you study at the only private university that gives you the opportunity to focus in specialized areas like network security, artificial life programming, and game studies, as well as technology management? Where else? Where else but the University of Advancing Technology? UAT's graduate technology program is accelerated. It combines business with technology. It offers the flexibility to adapt quickly to changes that come in high-tech fields. Feed your brain. Lead. Manage. You won't find this innovative environment anywhere else. UAT, the select private university where you'll be fully immersed in technology. The experience is unrivaled. Click UAT.edu. That's UAT.edu. All right, we're back, as promised. We didn't promise, but we came back anyway. We're always here. 
four segments in. And I'm uh, going to remind you again, go to uat.edu, the website for the University of Advancing Technology. By the way, they are sponsoring the Phoenix Indie Game or something. Do you know the official name of this thing? The what, which one? The thing, thing that we're doing next week that you're giving a talk at. Future is Games. Future is Games. It's not Phoenix. Okay. So, Otherwise known as FIG. Yeah. So uh, a gaming convention here in Phoenix. Yeah. And by gaming, this is actually for game developers. Yeah. I think they're going to open it up a little bit more to try to just to people who are interested in games. It's going to be free. Okay. Phoenix Convention Center. It's not for like, game developers. It's for everybody. Well, it started off as a thing for game developers. It's like the theory is they start small and then the next few years it'll be bigger um, and more interesting. So we're starting off small. Uh, Ara is going to give a talk there. We're going to actually record an episode of the show there. So probably like, like the show that comes on in two weeks will be recorded a few days early at this event. Um, I'm going to be running some other cool stuff there as well. Um, I hope, I hope just running some live games, which will be interesting. Um, like maybe a real life Pac-Man. I hope, I don't know. I say this now. I hope I end up doing it. I hope so too. It's all, it's all just theoretical. Right now, now you've made a social contract. You have no choice. It's kind of why I'm talking about it. Anyway, UAT is sponsoring that. And, uh, I think, I think fig is very thankful for them sponsoring at least some of that. And, um, if you're in the Phoenix area and you have some time Wednesday night or Thursday, or Thursday night, or Friday, or Friday night. It's free, Phoenix Convention Center. So um, we urge you to come by and say hi to us and see what's going on over there. Good times. Is there a website, by the way? There is a website. I just don't know. There is a futureisgames.com. Okay. Futureisgames.com. So you can learn about it there. Like I said, starting off very small. And if that doesn't work, uh, you can put those words into Google and find something. Yeah. Don't expect Game Developers Conference, but something to do for free for a few days. All right. Uh, okay, let's move on to uh, what crazy uh, thing has now happened in Florida. Oh, yeah. Okay. Tell me about it. Okay. So I actually have like a, a – you're not going to expect this – a personal angle on this story. So this nine-year-old, he lives in Orlando, and uh, he goes to school normally. And one day when he went to school uh, – for some reason, he decided to uh, bring a bunch of stuff. Yeah? What stuff? Uh, you know, just like uh, a couple of things to show off, like um, small sledgehammer, steak knife, uh, magazine of six bullets, uh, an unloaded handgun, uh, I, with which I must uh, clarify with the pin removed. It was good, though, because he brought the magazine... Brought the magazine, too, separately. And uh, When you say pin, by the way, for those who don't know about guns, the firing pin, yes. without which the bullet cannot be activated. Yes. Okay. And so anyway, um, those are all considered weapons. So he was... Is a bullet considered a weapon in this case? You know what? If I can channel uh, school boards across the country, I think they would say yes. It is an explosive, technically. It is. It could explode at any minute. Okay. Yeah. You could totally set a bullet off with a hammer, so... I actually I actually did hear one time of a case where um, a stupid woman was kept a live bullet in her purse, and it exploded in her purse. Really? Yeah. So, you think you're badass with that purse, with that bullet in your purse... You think it was like static electricity or something? Like uh, what? I don't know. Through the, I wasn't there, obviously. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, just going off on its own without being jostled. That's bad times. Well, there may have been some jostling. Some jostling. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you, you've seen these purses. Oh yeah. Oh, I've seen purses. <laughs> I mean, there could be like any amount of like not only any amount of like cubic volume of storage, but also like I mean, she probably pl- also had a hammer and yeah. a loose firing pin. <laughs> <Stick knives. laughs> Okay, so little nine-year-old. Okay, so anyway, brings does, a sledgehammer, a knife, and a gun. Does this does this like remind you like all of these implements? Does it remind you of anything? Well, come on, now it'd be cheating because I read that. Yeah, okay, it's cheating. So apparently, according to his dad, anyway, he was like, "Look, he was trying to emulate what the main character Steve does in Minecraft, even though no legit version of Minecraft has a gun." But okay, but here's the funny thing: is that. I mean, at least he didn't get expelled. Because, look, when I was freshman year in my high school, which is uh, more mature than nine, by the way, 
Uh, I took a knife to school. I took a knife to school in sixth grade. There you go. And um, actually, my knife, see, okay, see, this is the kind of nerd I am. It wasn't like a hunting knife or a pocket knife or a Swiss Army knife. It was like this uh, really old medieval dagger that I got <laughs> from Bush Gardens. Okay. And I was Mine actually, was just a Swiss Army knife. And I just thought it was really cool. And I was like, I want to show my friends this cool thing. And it was – you know, a teacher saw me with it before and he's like, look, don't let anyone see that because you can get in really big trouble for it. And I was like, whoa, I had no idea. I was like, I was totally aghast at that possibility. Because I'm sorry. It, you did not know that you should not be bringing a knife to school? It was it was a cool thing. It wasn't like a weapon to me. That was the thing. Like the blade wasn't sharp. Well, OK, if the blade wasn't sharpened. But it was still a knife. But see, this is this is the problem with this 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 retarded zero tolerance policy. Yeah. Okay. Well, so it depends what age you're talking about. When I was in high school, yeah. which was when age you of the were, weapon or age of the person. I was in high school, and you're like two years or something older than me. So you would have been like just have graduated or perhaps just in senior year. That's when they implemented the rules in where I live, which was not where you lived, saying, like, you can't even bring a bright plastic see-through green toy water gun. Anything, even representing a weapon, is not allowed. Prior to that, a water gun would have been fine, but then they set the rule. Of course, then I later... You know, got in a fight, and they did not follow the rules of the law that they had laid out to us. It's great. It's convenient. That's a different story altogether. Um, but yeah, like not even a water pistol that looks like a 50-cent water pistol is now allowed where I grew up. And so if they were following the same rules where you grew up, it makes sense. However, yours was a real knife, just unsharpened. Could you bring a piece of metal? I don't know. I don't know. So anyway, what happened to me was rather anticlimactic. I was – I got scared – because, but the, the point I want to drive home is that it never entered my mind that this was actually something to be used as an as a weapon. Think about that. Yeah, well, I mean, that's there's so many people that we could blame for that. Uh, <laughs> Perhaps, right? But okay, the, so nine year old, are you trying to to put that on him as well? That he probably just didn't know. Yes, that's what I'm trying to put on him. Is that kids do stuff. Okay, and they do stuff without thinking and they don't know all of the things that we know. And so it's like I think it's just unreasonable for us as adults to uh, and I think this is what we're doing is we're kind of like imposing this frame of mind on them. You know, it's like, okay, he brought his weapons to school and then people conclude that, oh, like he wanted to do something with them. And it's like it's not like that. That's not how most kids think, you know. Um. Yeah, but it's how some kids think. So it's an abundance some, of caution. And yes, and so that's right. And that's why it's best to be abundantly cautious and not abundantly draconian. Yeah, so don't punish. Educate. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's, I think that's my message. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, um, bummer for that kid. Yeah. Hey, let's uh, – I don't know. We don't have a lot of time, but we got the Steam Controller thing. Maybe there's we should Steam Controller the- and there's the uh, – you know, I went to a games exhibit. Yeah, well, let's talk about your thing and let's save Steam Controller for later. Okay, so I don't have a whole lot to say about this. I'm going to post a few pictures, which are just pictures of text, uh, on our Facebook page eventually when I get off my ass to do it. Um, so I went to this thing. You had already been there before, but we haven't really talked about it much on the show. Um, so it was the Smith, the traveling portion of the Smithsonian video games exhibit. Yeah, although I, I actually did not enter the exhibit itself. Really? Yeah, because they would charge me, and I will not pay the money to see games that I've seen before but in my life. Didn't you like just go there to talk about stuff recently? Oh yeah, well I did that, but I didn't go into the exhibit. They had it separate, yeah. and they wouldn't let you just access the exhibit. I had, I had no intention of trying. Weird, but I thought but they it, wouldn't. But they I wouldn't. assumed it was held inside the gaming area. No, 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 no. There's that exhibit is actually sequestered from the rest of the art museum. Oh, so it kind of has a separate entrance. Okay. Well, I didn't realize that. Um, anyway, what was interesting about this exhibit is that it went over like the history of games, right? Starting off with like the Atari VCS. Yeah. All, even though it's entitled The Art of Games. 
Yeah. It's kind of more like the history of games, isn't it? Um, it kind of is, but they they try to show how – like there's also a video that runs and like all sorts of people talk. You've got Henry Jenkins and Jane Pinker and all, all these people, right, um, game developers uh, talking in the video and how like it might be conceived as art. and it, it, They are art and we've demonstrated that and whatever, uh, but it's sort of like up to the viewer to determine if any in particular or any, any specific game is. Um, anyway – it it started off sort of like with each system. Um, what's weird is it didn't talk much about arcade, even though it had Pac-Man there. But um, as a sort of an early yeah, game. Yeah, very console-centered, huh? But it, it was console and, and a couple of computer discussions, right? But it, So it was broken up by console, right? So you got the Atari VCS and Commodore and ColecoVision and Nintendo and Xbox, all, all that stuff. Like all of them were represented. And there was an actual machine behind glass so you could look at it and then each one had a representative for games that it used to sort of like show the user or just talk to the the viewer i mean about the system and um it separated you know what i didn't take a picture of of any one of them but it separated it into four groups uh every system had four games represented one was tactics one was like aiming or something it wasn't called aiming but like adventure tactics, something else. There, there were four of them, and they were very non-standard. I'm sure I can look online and find out what it is, but they're not like... It wasn't like um, what we're used to, like action and adventure and puzzle. It was different. And I found that really fascinating, the way that they separated it. Um, and overall, we've, we've run out of time here. Overall, it was just a good exhibit. My wife thought it was super lame. I thought it was actually pretty well done, considering. I mean, you can never get meet everybody's tastes or needs or whatever but um it was pretty well put together in my opinion and let you play a few different games for a few minutes and had an automatic you know you can't play too long it'll kick you off and like mario was there and pac-man and um secret of monkey island and mist and flower they made a big deal out of flower but (sighs) yeah right so anyway if uh if you come across the exhibit anywhere you should totally go we'll be back next week with less sign. You've been listening to Chatterbox Video Game Radio. Tune in next week for more tips and info and the latest and greatest in video gaming. And remember, all your base are belong to us.